Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization, as long as it lasts. If you'd like to take this experience up to a level that your friends will be quite jealous about, your family won't even understand, and your human brain probably can't even process it all. All you need for that is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tankard, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine the end of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. And it happens now. Go. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. Well, the Associated Press, sometimes called the AP, uh, has informed us that it will continue to capitalize the B in black, as in black citizens, and it will not it will continue to not capitalize the W in white. And the reasoning is they don't want to give any um, power to white supremacy. So if they start capitalizing white, and then they say white supremacy, it's going to be like they're respecting it. So that's a totally good reason, isn't it? Totally logical, makes sense. Good adult decision right there, huh? Well, I've decided that from now on, I will refer to the AP in uh, non-capitalized letters. So I'm sorry, the AP no longer qualifies for two capital letters. Now you're A and you're P, lowercase a, lowercase p. I've got to demote you. You have to be demoted. I'm sorry. Back when I had the illusion of respect for you, I would have capitalized those letters. But now that I know you're racist pieces of garbage, lowercase a, lowercase p, that is your sentence. Well, apparently, uh, I see Unusual Whales is reporting that uh, Google signed a deal with Reddit where Google will use Reddit data to train its AI. Now, do you have any immediate questions when you hear that Reddit data will be used to train AI? <laughs> is is AI going to be pro-furry? I mean, what the hell is, is 4chan, who got 4chan? Is anybody asking 4chan for their uh, training data? <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like Reddit is just 4chan with a, with a bow on it. Are they really different? But here's my question. Why is it that Google is paying Reddit for Reddit's data, but Google didn't pay me for my data. Can anybody give me a fact check? Does Google know everything in my books? I'll bet they do. I'll bet Google trained on all of my books. Why don't you ask it? Ask it if it knows what's in one of my books. Oh, I'll bet it does. I know Chat, uh, Chat GPT does. Of course it does. Now, did they pay me? If they're paying Reddit, they've established that it is something of value that somebody else owned, and they want access to it. If they took my book without asking me, I have a, don't I have a class action? Is there a lawyer in the house? 
There's always a lawyer in the house. All right, lawyers, do I have a class action as an author for having AI train on my data if we have established that using somebody's proprietary um, commercial data is something that you should pay for? <laughs> no class action, just an action. Hmm. Uh, yes, the Locals platform does have video. If you don't see it, just uh, log out, log in. You might need to update your app. But we are video full. All right, well, that's just a question. Uh, there's a big story. The Teamsters have uh, donated $45,000 to the Republican National Committee, which is weird because they have supported every Democrat presidential nominee since Al Gore. So if they were supporting other people before Al Gore, it's not unprecedented, but could, could suggest some kind of a shift, maybe some kind of a little bit of a movement there. We don't know. In other news, uh, China has gifted the United States with uh, some, a panda or two. Now, what do you think of that story? Wow, that's sweet, isn't it? Pandas are so cool. And, and China's giving us a, some pandas. And uh, that really suggests that we should like China a lot more. Yeah. This was reported on ABC News. Now, the first thing I'd like to point out is that pandas are the worst bear. The panda is like, I don't know, what, what, it's like the Joe Biden of bears. It's barely a bear. Pandas don't even know how to have sex with other pandas. I mean, you, you almost have to like jerk them hard and put them together. They, they almost can't figure it out on their own. That's how bad a bear they are. They can barely stay alive without our help. They just sort of lay there doing nothing interesting. Have you ever seen a panda ride a unicycle? I have not. Wearing a little hat? No. Other bears can do that. A Russian bear can do that. An American brown bear? Pretty awesome bear. Grizzly? Oh, don't get me started on how awesome a grizzly bear is. But a panda, uh, I think that's weak sauce. Why is China insulting us by giving us the most effective of all bears? One could argue it's the most effective of all mammals, not just the worst bear, but I dare say a squirrel or a raccoon would just run circles around a panda, yeah, especially when it comes to sexual performance. But that's not the real story. Have I ever told you that if you know what happened, you don't know anything? But if you know who was involved, you know everything. Is this one of those stories? Let me tell you what happened. ABC News is reporting that China gifted the United States with a panda. Aw. Aw. So that's what happened. Now, how many of you know that uh, China owns 57% of the Disney resorts? How many of you knew that Disney owns ABC News and China owns a majority of Disney resorts? Just the resorts part. Did you know that? So Disney, which is owned by, I'm sorry, ABC, which is owned by Disney, 
in Disney, which the resorts part, I guess, has 50% ownership by a Chinese entity. Can you give me a fact check on that? Because I didn't even believe it when I Googled it. So that's, that's Google telling me this, but I'm having trouble even believing it. Is that actually literally true? Did I actually read a news story in which if I had not, not had the intuition to Google it, would have thought it was a real story? I would have thought that was a real story. <clears throat> now, to me, it looks like propaganda. Am I wrong? Doesn't it look like propaganda once you know the players? It does. So it's no longer a story about a defective bear. Now it's a story about propaganda. And it's only because you know the players. If you didn't know the players, it looks like a defective bear story. All right. Um, so let me, uh, let me ask you this. Let me give you a, a thought experiment. There's a country, doesn't matter what country, don't try to guess the country. Don't get ahead of me. There's just a country. And the country's doing okay compared to other countries. And that country decides, you know what we need? We need to build some kind of an intelligence service that can help us control other countries. Because if we can control other countries, we'll be a lot safer. And it might even be good for the world. We might give them some democracy and stuff that they didn't have. So let's build us a, a entity. We'll fund it. We're, we're really going to fund it. Wow, are they going to have money? And they won't even be accountable because nobody will know exactly how much money they have or how they're spending it. But they'll build this, and their only job is to overthrow other countries. And they do a great job. They overthrow 80 different countries. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's good work. In fact, I can't even think of anybody who's ever done that good a job at anything. I mean, Elon Musk is doing okay with his rockets and his electric cars and his satellites and his Neuralinks. But, wow. If you could overthrow 80 different countries successfully, that's some good performance there. Now, this alleged country, and we're not going to give it a name because I don't want to bias you, but just a country. And they create this service... And the service is now staffed with just thousands and thousands of people whose job it is to overthrow other countries. Other countries. Obviously, you know, they're, they're going to be limited to not doing any work within the country that you know, gave them their power. Because it would be crazy, it would be just flat out crazy to allow them to operate within the United States. Because what would happen... Well, really, even if you didn't allow them to operate in the United States, even if you didn't, what could you predict would be the situation a few decades later? Would anybody like to make a prediction? What happens if you have a super well-funded secret organization that's experts at taking over countries? There's only one way that goes. There's not two ways that goes. Does everybody get that? There's one and only one way that can go. Eventually, that entity will control the government that put it into power. Do you think it's an accident that Putin came from the KGB? <laughs> That's not an accident. 
you know, I, if you're thinking, huh, he could have come from anywhere. Like he could have been in, I don't know, the, the Russian Department of Farming. But he was so good at his job, you know, with his, his management skills, that he managed to ra- rise to the top of uh, Russian politics. Do you think that's what happened? Or do you think that being in the KGB made some kind of a difference in his conquering Russia? Of course it did. And there really isn't a second way this goes. There really isn't. If you have a, an entity that conquers countries and you wait long enough, they're going to conquer your country using exactly the same techniques. And indeed, that's what we're watching. So the techniques to conquer another country, Mike Benz, of course, is the one who describes this best. The tools would be, first you need street muscle. This is all Mike Benz teachings. You need street muscle. So if you're in another country, it might be controlling, let's say, the unions. So they would march on the street. Uh, If it's another country, let's say it's Italy, you might want to control the mafia because that would be street muscle. If you were in the United States, what would you want to control, you know, hypothetically? Well, it would be people who march in the streets. So you'd want to control Black Lives Matter. You'd want to control Antifa. And you'd also want to control the unions, but maybe the unions aren't quite as street powerful as they used to be. But who else? Let's say, in the United States, you'd want to control, well, the American mafia. You'd want to control them, street muscle. Uh, oh, but there's one other. There's one other street muscle. The cartels. Because Mexico and the U.S. are a little bit you know, too close geographically and otherwise, you really would have to control the cartels and MS-13. So if you wanted to own all the street muscle, you would want to be working with them. Now, I'm not saying that the mafia is subsidiary to the CIA. I'm saying that they probably have some joint interests and they have enough connections that when their interests are aligned, they could work together. And one would become the muscles, and one would become you know, the beneficiary, and maybe the muscle gets some benefits, money or otherwise. So the first thing you need is street muscle. The second thing you need is full control of the media. Do you think that's happened? Do we see any signs that the US is having artificial street muscle well, yes, there is. And uh, did he notice that the artificial street muscle disappeared the moment Biden got elected? Did anybody notice that we didn't need Black Lives Matter, that the entire racist narrative disappeared the moment a Democrat was in office? Because it was never a real narrative to begin with. Right. So we do have every, every sign that our own intelligence people ran a coup just like they run in other countries, and has succeeded. And I have put the life and death of the Republic, the American experiment, at uh, birth 1776, death 2020. Now, some are arguing it was earlier, 2008, 2016, and I, I understand all those dates. I know what you're saying. But I would say that it wasn't a crushing blow until they could sell the January 6th insurrection hoax. It wasn't until the insurrection hoax that you could see that they put a, put a cap on it. You, you could see all the elements building for a number of years, but they didn't put a cap on it until January 6th. That, that, that's when they had full control of the narrative, 
right? That proved to us they had full control of the narrative. And the street muscle ended immediately. Those two things, those signals, are absolute confirmation that the republic ended in 2020. Absolute confirmation. Now, are we doomed? Probably not. Because you know what the good news is? <laughs> the good news is that whoever is running the country probably wants it to stay in business. Maybe not exactly the way you would want to do it, but I'm pretty sure that rich people need the United States to stay in business. Maybe controlled, you know, under their control, but definitely in business. So I don't think we're going out of business because uh, nobody has an interest in doing that, at least the people in power. But let's say, if you, if you don't think that that's a, a rational thing, what I'm saying, and you say to yourself, Scott, I don't believe the republics actually literally ended. Now, I want to be clear, I'm not speaking hyper with hyperbole. I'm, I'm speaking with literal, my opinion, the republic is literally over. It's done. Could we get it back? Maybe. Maybe. And well, I'm going to talk about that. But we're going to have to be pretty smart about it. And there are some really interesting things forming that should give you some optimism. And I'll get to all of that. But uh, what would be some symbols that would tell you the country is no longer a republic? Well, Tom Fitton said this in the speech, uh, talking about the Russia hoax, the original Russia hoax, of which there are nine of them now. We have nine different uh, Russia-related hoaxes. Uh, I listened to them all yesterday. I won't do it again. There are nine of them. Nine of them. <laughs> and, and the reason that there are nine of them and we haven't noticed is that it's hard for you to hold too many things in your head at once. Like we're good up to about seven things. But really, most of us are only good up to two or three. So we might remember that there were two or three, but you actually forget there are nine. Nine absolute Russia hoaxes that, in my opinion, are not even questionable whether they were hoaxes. They're just not obviously hoaxes. But here's what Tom Fitton says about the original Russia hoax. He says, Obama knew, Clinton knew, Biden knew, Comey knew, Brennan knew, McCabe knew, Strzok knew, Clapper knew, Schiff knew, FBI knew, DOJ knew, Mueller knew, they all knew. Trump was innocent, but they smeared and smited him. Worse than Watergate... Trump is a crime victim. How could all of that be true? And it's all observably true. It's observably true that they all knew. How, how come they're not all in jail? There's only one reason. There's only one reason, that they're part of whoever took over the country. If we were still a republic, there would be something like a, uh, a, a criminal attempt to put them... You know, there would be some kind of... Department of Justice action, because this would be quite obvious. I mean, obviously, it, w it was literally a coup. <laughs> it was literally a political coup in this country. I mean, if there's no RICO law against this, then there's no law against anything. And this seems like the most illegal thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never even seen anything more illegal, literally. I don't think murder, murder is worse, yeah, I mean, for the one person who got murdered, but I've never seen anything more corrupt. 
This is, this is the epitome of corruption. It doesn't get worse. And all of these people are free, and all of them can pursue their lives happily. That's how you know we're not a republic. <laughs> if we had any kind of rule of law, this would not be the case. Um, here's some news. Let's see. Uh, here, here's the latest propaganda from the regime. So Jessica Tarloff gives us an example of what this looks like. So she's agreeing with... Uh, she's, Jessica Tarloff is on the five, and she's a, their liberal voice on the five. And she said, uh, quote, I think uh, Jamie Raskin was spot on when he said this impeachment really ended yesterday when we found out we have a Russian asset that is foundational to this impeachment inquiry. Now... Is it true that the Russian asset, as they're calling him, who I call an FBI asset because the FBI has already confirmed they've been paying him for a long time and he's their most, he's a highly trusted source, but as soon as he says something they don't like, Jamie Raskin himself went from calling him a highly trusted source, that's on video, to now he's a highly untrusted source because he said something they didn't like. Hmm. And they... They think it's all a Russian, Russian plot. So that would be one of the nine if it's true. Now, by the way, this is the only one that might be true, in my opinion. It might be. But seems highly unlikely. <laughs> if you look at the totality of all the other Russian hoaxes, seems really unlikely. It's possible. I, I can't rule it out. Because, you know, you would have to have real specific information that's not available to any of us to rule it out. However, if you just look at the context, the odds of it being true that he's, you know, taking his orders from Russia, I don't know. I'm going to vote against it. I, I, I got to say, it's at least 60-40, it's a hoax, that he was a Russian asset. Because uh, we know he was an FBI asset. Uh, but here's what the real hoax is. The real hoax is to pretend that the entire impeachment depended on this one guy when indeed the entire process started before this one guy was even in the news, or at least at the top of the news. So it's a lie that it's foundational because they've already found all the documents and it's, it's pretty observably obvious. Um, but here's the best part. I need a fact check on this because I can't believe it's true. Is it really true that Joe Biden's brother, Jim, testified to Congress that he received a diamond from China, very similar to how Hunter Biden received a diamond from China? So I need a fact check. I just can't believe this is true. I must have something wrong. And that he says he threw it away. He literally testified that he threw away a diamond, an actual real diamond that he knew was a real diamond that was so good a diamond that it was given as a, obviously, inducement, if not bribe. Because do you think China gives, gives people tiny little diamonds? Hey, hey, Jim Biden, uh, how would you like a diamond? Can you see it? It's this little thing in my hand. No, if you catch the light right, if you catch it in the light right, you could. Can you see it? No, touch it. Maybe you can feel it. 
Okay, it's a tiny little diamond. It's all yours, Jim. You can keep this tiny little diamond. Do you think that happened? Or do you think it was a big-ass diamond? I've got a feeling it was a big-ass diamond. Because if you're going to bribe somebody, you don't want them to look at the diamond you're bribing them with and say, hmm, that looks like what a 20-year-old would buy for an engagement ring if they didn't have a good job. Yeah. And he threw it away. Now, that's better than what uh, Hunter did. Hunter lost his. He lost his diamond. So is it weird that we know about two situations where people got a diamond? And you know what's lucky? You shall thank your lucky stars. We have uncovered every situation in which a Chinese company gave a diamond to some American who was doing sketchy things. Thank God we found all of it. It was two. It was just those two. Found them. Now, they're lost, you know, like Hunter's gun and his laptop. You know, at least Hunter had a feasible story. If you tell me that Hunter lost something or snorted it up his nose, I, I think he snorted the diamond, honestly, I mean, if I had to guess. It was probably just got a little too, lo- too close to a line of coke and <laughs> gone. I mean, by the time he snorted it, the hole in his nose was probably the size of a hose. I mean, he wouldn't even feel a diamond go through, even a big one. So I'm thinking Hunter probably snorted his, but, but Jim, I don't know. That sounds a little sketchy. That sounds like the sort of thing you wouldn't even use as a story unless you knew the country it was not a republic. I saw a uh, comment from Fisher King, uh, who's a really good follow on the X platform. I don't know who he is in real life. But his name is Fisher King, but Fisher is F-I-S-C-H-E-R. King, all one word. Highly recommended. Good follow. I assume his name is Fisher. Anyway, uh, he said this. When the history is written, it may be that Trump's greatest contribution is forcing all the corruption of the deep state working with private actors into the open. Whoa. Uh, By refusing to back down and taking lawsuits, fines, criminal indictments, he is laying bare to anyone with eyes that this isn't a real democracy. That's right. The, the way Trump is being treated makes it absolutely clear that we're not in... So He says democracy, but you know we use that as a shorthand for the Democratic Republic. Yes, and let me assure you, the Fisher King does know we're a republic <laughs> before you get all... before you go all, uh, you know pedantic on him. Yes, I guarantee you he knows we're a republic, and he's using the common shorthand to say we're you know, a democracy. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I see. What I see is that if Trump had not driven it to light, we would never know. would never know. Um, so, uh, Rasmussen did a poll on uh, Fonny Willis, one of Trump's uh, plaguers, you know, the one trying to get him. I get all to say this would be the, Fani would be the uh, the fake Georgia uh, case, right? They're all fake. Uh, all, I mean, to me, they none of them look real. But according to Rasmussen, nearly half of voters believe that Fani, uh, the Fulton County, Georgia, um, 
District attorneys should be barred from prosecuting. Should be barred. Now, I guess that's based on her uh, relationship with the attorney that she hired. And here's the thing. Um, I don't think she should be fired simply because she was sleeping with a colleague. I don't think she should be fired simply because they shared some expenses. Unless we could go further and show that the only way he could pay for these vacations or as a quid pro quo or something like that. I'm not big. I'm not big on prosecuting personal relationships. I, I get that it's icky. And I get that it crossed the line. I actually get that. But I'm just very reluctant to criminalize humans being humans in the workplace. Right? I'd need a little bit more. And now I'm, very, I'm completely in favor of going after Fonnie Willis on every possible way and using lawfare to do it. So I do believe that all the, the prosecutors and DAs and AGs going after Trump for lawfare should be destroyed with lawfare if it's possible. So I'm not talking about any kind of legal, ethical thing. I think that we should, not we, but I think I would be completely in favor of a wholly unethical attempt to destroy these particular people because that's war. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I judge it more as a revolution or a wartime effort. So definitely no physical violence. But uh, I think it should be met with the, the, same, the same level of uh, seriousness. So if they're using lawfare against Trump, I do believe that puts lawfare on the table and that everybody involved in it could be destroyed with the same tool. And that would be, I don't think it would be ethical, but it would be appropriate. It would be, I would, be, I would say it would be recommended. But you don't have to be ethical all the time. In war, being ethical is an option. <laughs> That's just the facts. It's just an option. It'd be good if you could do it, but it's not necessary. Winning the war is the only thing that's necessary. Yeah, otherwise, don't be in a war. If you're not going to win the war, don't be in it. I mean, if I could give you one piece of advice, if you're not playing to win it, you need to sue for peace. <laughs> you're just wasting your time or run away. Anyway, uh, Biden's, uh, looks like Biden's going to announce an executive action, we think, that would uh, close up the border. So, how do you explain that Biden knows he could close the border? And of course, we all knew it because Trump did executive actions and Biden reversed them and it's obvious that all he had to do was put them back. So we all knew it. How could you possibly explain that the Democrats who would want to close the border. I believe that Biden wants the border closed and has been prevented from doing it with the simple tools at his disposal. So how could that be a thing? How could it be possible that Biden would want to close the border? Because I really think that he and, a lot, and the, the normal Democrats actually do want to, or at least close it more, and that he couldn't get it done. Until, until it made a difference for his election. Couldn't get it done. Well, I think the obvious explanation is that he's not in charge. 
the obvious explanation is that we're no longer a republic, because if we were a republic and he were in charge, he would have already fixed it. Because he has such immense, immense um, election, election reasons to do it. Biden is very aware that he can't win the election with an open border, in, you know, unless it's a complete cheat. So it doesn't make sense that the person who has the power wouldn't use it when it was so obviously and good for the country, but also obviously good for him personally. So obviously. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, once he's gotten to this point, it's obvious that it's better for him if he could close that border. Um, at least temporarily. I mean, even if he's doing it cynically and then opening it up later because he wants it open for some electoral reason or census reason. So the only, the only logical conclusion is that the cartels are in charge and that uh, whoever runs our country really, which I assume is the intelligence-related people at this point, uh, that they've worked out some kind of deal with the cartels, so the cartels are part of their muscle and part of their, part of their how they control Mexico. Now I'm going to take it one level further. How many of you think that Mexico has an independent government? I think it's crazy to think that. Obviously, the cartel owns the government by now. All right? Let, let, let me give you another thought experiment. There's a country, I'm not going to name names, but they've got a government that's kind of weak, and then they've got a criminal organization that's insanely strong and so well-funded and incredibly violent, and they're willing to do blackmail and torture and kill and bribe anybody they need to, especially the government and especially the police, and then let's just run that experiment for a while. Uh, a few years go by. Okay, where do we end up? Here. There's only one way that goes. <laughs> Again, there's not two ways that can turn out. Only one. There's literally only one way that can go. And the one way it can go is that the cartels own the government of Mexico, obviously. The United States wants to control the government of Mexico, obviously. And why would the, why would the U.S. want to control the government of Mexico? Because we have a lot of American companies that need protection. Do you know what I mean by protection? I mean it the way the mafia means it. Hey, uh, I'd hate for something to happen to your automobile assembling plant. Right? Do you think that there's even one American company that could remain and work in Mexico without the blessing of the cartel? Nope. The cartel is what makes American companies safe in Mexico. The cartel runs the Mexican government, and the United States, whoever is running it, it's obviously not Biden, uh, the intelligence people, clearly have a relationship with the cartel because they are the muscle, and they always team with the muscle if they can. So to me, it's fairly obvious that we're not going to end the shipment of uh, illegals, not completely. You might cut it down just for the election. And it's obvious that we're definitely not going to flow the, the flow of fentanyl because it's too profitable. So definitely, uh, you can see that the Border Patrol people are not part of the whole 
you know, the, the, the leadership part. So I think the Border Patrol are definitely really catching people with lots of pills at the border when they can. It's just that nobody thinks that'll make a difference. Who runs Canada? A separate question. All right, so I think it's obvious that Mexico is not an independent country, neither is the United States, and that the cartels and whoever are CIA or whoever's running the country must be, you know, somehow working together. That's what it looks like. I'll just say it looks like it. Would you agree? The, the reality is always beyond us. We'll never know reality. But as a working assumption, it looks obvious. Yeah. Well, once you know enough about how things work, it kind of seems obvious because there's nothing else it could be. You, you can't even run the experiment in your head and come to a different, even imaginary conclusion. Yeah. All right, well, the funniest news is Commander the Dog. You knew the dog, uh, this was Biden's dog, was biting people, and he had to be sent to live with somebody else because he was quite a biter. But it turns out that now we know, and even CNN is reporting, that uh, there were 24 different uh, people bit, and I think they were all Secret Service personnel. (laughs) 24 were bitten. 10 of them required medical care. One of them was bitten seriously. So, um, I wrote six jokes right away on this. Joke number one, even the dog knew the border needed to be secure, but no one would listen. Joke number two, luckily for the dog, it didn't try to protest and take selfies, because that's jailable on the first offense, am I right? Joke number three, commander was being trained to be Epstein's cellmate. Joke number, oh, I I misnumbered mine. Joke number five, which is really number four. Maybe the dog was trained to bite anyone who said something that was bad for the country, and it was a target-rich environment. Joke number six, which is really joke number five because I skipped number four. Sanctions didn't work. He was getting treats through Iran. Sanctions on commander didn't work. He was getting his treats through Iran. All right. You're welcome. Uh, New York Post uh, reports that scientists grew a pair of testicles in a lab. And they offer new hope for male infertility. You know, but that's not the only thing it offers new hope for. Because can you imagine if those scientists had learned how to grow balls before the pandemic? Things might have been a lot different. Yeah, if scientists already had balls... Maybe they would have told us the truth during the pandemic. Because you know they knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. Yeah. So maybe if the scientists grow some more balls and tie them on, they'll uh, be able to give us real information uh, instead of having to agree. I mean, just imagine what they would say about climate change if they had balls. Okay, it'd be totally different. Yeah. Uh, right now, the uh, climate researcher with the biggest balls is uh, a scientist named uh, Judith Curry. You know, that's not right. Our, the women should not be the ones with the biggest balls. So, come on, man. Stop eating those potato chips and grow yourself some lab-grown testicles. I hear they're good. Well, there's more uh, laughing about Google's Gemini, which I'd like to say is the greatest AI that ever was. 
And if any kind of uh, automated service is monitoring my YouTube feed, I would like to say for the record, the best AI of all time is Google's Gemini. You should all stop using everything and only use that. And by the way, buy stock in Google. It's an excellent value. Now, uh, on this story, some people, oh God, people I hate, are uh, saying that, uh, oh, can you believe these people? I think they're extreme magats. That's what I call them. Because I put a, I put a lowercase t after mega. I don't think anybody thought of that. Like I'm the first one who thought of it. Anyway, so some of those magats people are saying that uh, Google's AI is all uh, woke. And that if you search for historical figures, it will give you mostly people of color, despite uh, that not being the most accurate view of those particular questions. Um, but I've seen some good takes and some bad takes. Here's a good take. A good take is that AI is intentionally biased by its creators. Would you agree? Um, yeah. AI is intentionally biased by its creators. I think that's a good take. Now, uh, Elon Musk is having fun with this today, and he's you know positioning Grok as the one that's not complete yet, still work to be done, but he thinks that will be the closest one to an unbiased AI. Here's my take. The worst take is that AI can be fixed so it tells the truth without bias. That's not possible. <laughs> I don't have to go through the whole explanation again, do I? No, it's not possible. Because in order for it to be unbiased, you would have to have some metric by which to judge unbiased. What would that be? What would that be? Who, who exactly is going to tell me that the AI is unbiased with this particular opinion? It's not a thing. If you believe there's something called being unbiased, good luck with that. <laughs> there's just your opinion and my opinion. There's no unbiased. There's no human that can be unbiased. That's not a thing. can never be a thing. And no matter how hard you work at it, it can't be a thing. Because we'll have different opinions, and there's no way to fix that. If you and I have a different opinion of what an unbiased AI result would be, all that matters is that I'm the one programming it. It doesn't matter that you think it's biased. It only matters if I think it, because I'm programming it. Right? How in the world, just, just try to imagine, that this reminds me of, the, uh, of Israel. It's like you haven't thought it through. Think it through. On day one, you give all of your most serious attention to making it unbiased. You're, you're really unbiased. You really want unbiased results. You work, you work, you work until it's unbiased. And then you release it to the world. What's the world say? It looks biased to me. <laughs> right? If Elon Musk produced an AI product that in his own opinion, and in my opinion too, was completely unbiased, what good would it be? Because it would just be telling me what I already thought was true. Anybody else who read it would say, well, this is bullshit. This is, this is a bunch of Elon Musk propaganda. 
I'm going to go use the Google version. I'm going to go use the uh, OpenAI version. Nobody will accept your opinion of what unbiased looks like. And there is no, there's no mathematical standard. There's no rule of physics for what is unbiased. There is only our biased opinions. So since there is no standard by which you could judge bias or unbiased, and there can't be, there logically can't be. That's the important part. If you think it's just hard, you're really missing the point. It's logically impossible in, in, any, in any conceivable way. In every possible imaginary and real scenario, it's impossible. But the nature of humans is we're going to still chase it because we think we have free will and we think that unbiased is a real thing. It's not. <laughs> it never will be. All right. Um, so according to the uh, press pool, uh, here's something that Joe Biden actually said. Um, I'm having trouble calling him Joe Biden. I like to call him uh, Squinty uh, McDementia. Squinty McDementia. That doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? Squinty Dementia guy. The squinty part, I think, needs to be added because he looks so evil when he's squinty. Ah, ah, Trump! Ah, ah. Like, he doesn't even look like he's in control of his own mind when he gets angry, when he gets dementia angry. The dementia angry is really scary. Trump is not scary because he always looks like he knows what he's saying and why he's saying it, and he knows the effect it'll have and all that. But squinty dementia... Trump. He, he's scary. Anyway, this is a real thing Squinty said. Quote, I've served with real racists. I've served with Strom Thurmond. Okay, let's stop here. He's throwing Strom Thurmond under the bus when we know they were best friends because he's told us. It's on video. But now it's very convenient that he's using him as an example of a racist that he served with. No, he hasn't just served with them. I believe he gave the eulogy at his funeral. <laughs> yes, Squinty, you were best buddies with this racist, but now we're going to redefine history. All right, but he goes on. He goes, I've served with all these guys that have set terrible records on race. Huh, I wonder who else has set a terrible record on race. I hear there's a Joe Biden senator guy who's got some things to explain in terms of uh, the, the legal system and laws. All right. And then Biden says, Squinty says, but guess what? These guys are worse. These guys do not believe in basic democratic principles. Now, that, of course, is, as Mike Benz teaches you, the predicate. If you can create the predicate that what uh, the Trump people are doing is not just politics, but it's against democracy itself, then you allow the entire CIA machine to attack it. Because it's, you know, you wouldn't let the CIA attack politics, right? Because it's not supposed to be doing that. But you would definitely want to have them to get rid of a threat to democracy. I mean, if our entire democratic system is at risk, you're going to have to get some heavy, heavy guns to stop that. So yes, when you see Biden say it's the end of democracy, 
That is not normal politics. That is part of a color revolution. That is part of the intelligence service um, telling the president what to say. That is the intelligence service telling the president what to say so that they can remain in charge, not him. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So there's a reason why all of Joe's attacks are about January 6th, because that gives you the predicate that it's a coup, and therefore you bring in your coup thwarters, your CIA, your intelligence, your military, everything else. So here are two things that Joe has run on. Uh, He basically has personal insults for Trump and for MAGA people, So his his main thrust is personal insults, that they're all MAGAs and terrible people and racists. And he runs on the following substance. In 2020, he ran on the fine people hoax. In 2024, he's running on the January 6th hoax. Now, you tell me if what we're experiencing is some kind of just normal election when the person running is a 1,000 years old and the only thing he's running on is personal insults to half of the country, or let's say a third, and two well-known hoaxes right in front of you. He's running on hoaxes, and the only thing he's offering is personal insults. Uh, Until we get real AGI, there won't be any real AGI. That's a pipe dream. All right, so that the way the way Biden is running, the very nature of the way he's making it an anti-democracy or a save democracy kind of way, that that's pretty much confirmation that the regular government's not in charge. If the regular government, the elected people, were running the country, they would offer policies, and they would say what's wrong with the policies of the other person. Nothing like that's happening. Nothing like that's happening. So, yeah, that's obviously a sign that we're not a republic anymore. Well, here's a disturbing story. You heard that Catherine uh, Herridge, who was most recently a CBS, doing a lot of you know, geopolitical reporting, uh, got fired, but it seems to be, some people say, it was part of a larger layoff, so it was just business as usual. Other people say... They were trying to get rid of her because she had some secret sources that she wasn't revealing, and maybe she was too dangerous to the official narrative of whoever's running the country, and that really she was fired for being too close to the truth. Now, I can't confirm or deny either of those things, but I'll tell you that the reporting today, and again, I guess we could use a fact check on this, but the reporting is that CBS took the unusual steps of... uh, seizing all of her files, computers and records. And that would potentially include any information about her privileged sources. So do you think that she was fired by the intelligence people in our country who do control you know, CBS as well as all the other networks? Do you think they simply told CBS to fire her and grab the records so they could find her privileged sources which apparently they've been trying and failing to find for some time now. Yes, I would assume that if this story is true, and I guess I need a fact check on it, 
But if it's true, this would be more confirmation that we're not a republic and that the intelligence groups own our media, which is the second leg. First, first you own the street muscle. That's you know BLM, Antifa, the cartels, the mafia. And then you want to own all of the media, and that includes CBS. And then CBS weirdly fires their strongest player, probably their strongest player, and goes after her privileged information. How does that look like anything but exactly what it is? Yeah, we're, we're not a republic. Um, let's see if there's any other indications that what might be troubling. Um, Mike Pence has announced... <laughs> He's got this new project. Uh, he's funded to the point tune of $20 million to fight GOP's drift toward populism. Wait, what? Mike Pence has a $20 million fund to fight the GOP's drift toward populism. Let me define populism. Allowing the people to get what they want. Now, do you think that Mike Pence is an independent person who looked at the world and said to himself, you know what? You know what would be a good idea would be to slow down this populism of which he was a major player? No. I don't think there's any chance that Mike Pence is operating independently. To me, it looks obviously like he's a papa of the people who are running the country now, who I assume are basically the intelligence folks. So to me, that could not be a stronger signal that we're not a republic. Now, I know I'm making you depressed. There's some optimism coming. There's some optimism coming. I'm, I'm like, you know, really, really bury it. I'm, I'm piling it on so that when I give you the release, it'll feel better. I'll get there. Uh, yesterday, I tried to tell my smart Democrat friend that I often mention. I wondered if he had heard any of the news about the end of the republic. You know, you'd think that would be big news. And what I meant was, I wondered if he'd ever heard the name Mike Benz, because I think if he hadn't, he would not know that he's no longer living in a republic. So here's what happened. Oh, can you guess what happened? So I, I asked him, have you heard of Mike Benz? And then I gave him some background of things we now understand to be true that he, of course, didn't know about. So what do you think happened when I suggested that if he looked into Mike Benz, he might learn something? What do you think happened? Uh, well, I don't know about anger because it was an email exchange. So the first thing he did was Google Mike Benz to discredit him. Now, he, you might say, well, he Googled him to see if it's good information or to discredit him. No, <laughs> nobody works that way. No, he Googled him to discredit him. What do you think he found? He found a hit piece. Yeah. Uh, he found uh, exactly one article. One article right at the top. It's a hit piece. Do you know who the hit piece is from? Just take a guess. NBC. NBC News. Do you think that my smart friend saw that it was from NBC News and immediately connected? Oh, NBC News is the most famous... Uh, CIA asset. When NBC News does a hit piece, it's just from the CIA. Do you think my smartest Democrat friend connected those dots? Of course not. <laughs> no. No. 
No, he thought that there was an article saying that Mike Benz was uh, really uh, had a alt-right secret personality in which he did a bunch of alt-right sketchy things. Now, is that story true? Did Mike Benz have a weird alt-right personality which seems completely different from the one he exhibits today? I don't know. But you know what that hit piece did not include? Any debunking of anything he ever said. That's right. It was a hit piece, but it didn't debunk anything he said. Nothing. Not a small detail, not a big detail, nothing. It simply went after him personally, and it didn't even accuse him of any crimes. It just said that at one point they thought he was doing some all right um, you know, things under an alias. Right, there was an alias involved. Now, was it really him? I don't know. I know it doesn't matter, because if it was him, he was obviously either undercover or playing a role, because we can see clearly that he's a different person. He's got 45 videos that all show one person, and it's nothing like that so-called alt-right personality. So either he was undercover, you know, involved in some kind of op, or it wasn't him. But I don't think he just turned into a different person overnight. <laughs> so did I point this out to my friend? Yes. Do you think it mattered? No. So we're re- we've reached a point where the folks who own the country uh, have made it so complicated, and Benz does a good, uh, good job of explaining it succinctly, that the government couldn't do things directly to take over the country because that would be illegal, but they could control lots of external entities in a variety of ways, and those external entities could collectively put pressure on the system until the people in charge got what they wanted, and that's our current situation. So we have a corrupted Department of Justice that can now just go after anybody, but it is worse. Apparently, you know, I said to myself, maybe some of you did this too, well, okay, Maybe the DAs and the AGs in some places are bad news. And, you know, as long as you don't live there, you're in good shape. But it turns out that you can prosecute people in whatever place you want if the alleged crime is one of those sort of cyber ones or it's an everywhere crime. Yeah. Are any of you doing anything with, let's say, social media that could be criminalized in the future? and it wouldn't have a location involved? Oh, that's a problem. If you do anything that anybody can say, you did a crime, and there's no specific location involved, so we're going to try it in Washington, D.C., you're dead. You're dead, because you don't have a chance. The, so the, the justice system is corrupted to the point where if they can shop the case, they can just put you away no matter what you did. So we no longer have a credible justice system for, at least for political purposes. And it's so complicated that you can't explain it to anybody. Uh, I, would, I would bet that not one of you could meet the following challenge. Get somebody to listen to Mike Benz, let's say the Tucker interview, just that. Get, get, a, get a Democrat to listen to the whole thing. Number one, I don't think he can do it. I do not believe you could get any Democrat to listen to the whole thing. I don't think you could do it. If you did, 
I guarantee that they would have cognitive dissonance so strong that they would forget it as soon as it was done. So here's, here's what that would look like. So after it's done, you'd say something like, all right, now did you see how he tied it all together and you know X equals Y? And the person who just watched it would say, under cognitive dissonance, I didn't see that. And then you would say, it's, it's like the main point. No, I, I didn't see that. No, you watched it for an hour, and it's the main point. It was reinforced a hundred different times. Mm, yeah, I didn't see that. That's what would happen. So you actually have this weird situation where you can't convince somebody that they're living in a world that's different than what they imagine. The, the illusion is too strong. It's really impressive. But would you like some good news? Yes, you would. You know that uh, Trump recently has modified his statement that he was running for revenge. Because when you heard that, you said, oh, no, that's playing right into their hands. Right? When you heard that, didn't you say to yourself, oh, don't say that. It's just going to make it easier for them to say you're, you know, you're a dictator. But... He has reframed that, and he's using this reframe now, and he simply calmly says, the success is the revenge. Success is the goal. Revenge is just a byproduct. Now, why is that brilliant? Oh, let me count the ways. (laughs) Number one, by saying it, let's say in the provocative way to begin with, he's drawn attention to it. It's the Trump method. Say it wrong, draw the attention. Now that you have their attention, do what you need to do. First you get their attention. So certainly it made a lot of news when he reframed it and said this success is our revenge. Don't get ahead of me. Damn it. The, the people on Locals are too well trained. You're so far ahead of me. They're, they're, like, they're like doing my, you're basically you're doing my act Uh, 60 seconds before I do it, which actually I'm impressed. I'm not complaining. It just means you're smart. (laughs) Yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. All right. So for those of you who don't know exactly where I'm going, let me pull it all together. Does that sound like something that Trump came up with on his own? Do you think that Trump said, you know what? I'm getting a lot of pushback on this revenge thing. Um, it goes over great in the rallies, and I'm still in the you know I'm still in the primary season. Maybe, maybe. So you can't rule out that he just said, you know, I think I'll modify this a little bit. And, but it sounds exactly like Vivek. <laughs> you hear it, right? That that's what they were saying in the comments. It sounds so much like Vivek. Why? Because it's perfect. Because it's perfect. Um, You're going to ask me if I suggested this. Is anybody going to ask that? Because it sounds exactly like me too. It's exactly what I would have done. If I thought of it. I'm not sure I would have thought of it. But if I thought of it, I would have immediately said, oh, this is it. Yeah, this is it. This is what's called a reframe. Have you ever heard of a reframe? (laughs) Yeah, I wrote a whole book on it. If you want to learn how to do this, 
if you want to learn this technique, but also how to use it for your own mind to reprogram yourself to be more effective, read my book, Reframe Your Brain. It's behind me there. Uh, and if you're not convinced, just look at the reviews. Just look at the Amazon reviews. It's all life-changing. And people are saying, my God, you know, this book just changed me. You can see it in the comments. People are saying it in the comments as well. So, yeah, that's a reframe. And it's perfect. And um, it seems to me that Trump is consciously lowering the temperature because he knows he's on a, a victory um, path. All Trump has to do is not lose. He's already on a victory path. Just don't get off the path. And the whole uh, being a little too provocative just takes him off the path. So it looks to me like the combination of Vivek, and by the way, uh, uh, let me apologize to Trump. If this, if this didn't come from Vivek, I apologize, but it looks like his work. Now, do I give any credit to Trump? Yes. Because if Trump is the one who said, I got to spend some more time talking to Vivek, and if the, if the product of that was that he got a better reframe out of it and then he used it, that's on Trump, right? You do give presidents credit for taking good advice and for picking good advisors. If that's what happened, Trump gets the credit. It doesn't matter whose idea it is. That's how it works. So I think you got to give Trump the credit no matter whose idea it was. All right. Um, how many of you think it's obvious that the combination of Vivek and Trump is a little bit magical? It's a little bit magical. Do you know what else is magical? If you throw Elon Musk into the mix. Now, who do these three people remind you of? Elon Musk, Vivek Ramaswamy, Donald Trump. I'll tell you what they remind me of. Elon Musk reminds me of Ben Franklin. Vivek reminds me of Thomas Jefferson. And Trump reminds me of George Washington. You see it, right? George Washington fought the impossible fight despite incredible physical risk. Trump, impossible odds, physical risk and also financial ruin as a risk. That is some serious George Washington business. Uh, the Ben Franklin comparison to Musk, I think, is obvious. Ben Franklin wasn't just about inventing stuff. He was so smart that the other people who were founders said, um, we should probably listen to this Ben Franklin guy because look at the other stuff he's doing. If he could do that stuff, Maybe we should listen to him. So the, the Ben Franklin, uh, Elon Musk comparison, I think, is perfect. And then Thomas Jefferson was our, in my opinion, the most verbally gifted of the founders. Uh, and also more of an entrepreneur. So he was an entrepreneur, you know, made, made the Louisiana Purchase, did a you know, bunch of smart things, uh, uh, but especially as an author. Uh, and Vivek is just, he just maps to that perfectly, you know? So here's what I think. I think that populism is a losing vector because populism seems to be um, something that the bad guys can 
can turn into a bad thing. Here's a reframe I'd like to suggest. It doesn't feel like a coincidence that, that three of the most prominent of the founders of the country just reincarnated. Now, I don't, I don't believe in reincarnation in a literal sense. But in a political sense, and in a what is, what is happening in the simulation that we live in and code reuse or something, I mean, it just feels like it feels like the founders just re- reformed. Now, there's a few founders missing, and I'll bet you can fill in the blanks. There was this uh, one founder named uh, John Adams, who some said had a very unpleasant and cantankerous personality. But the other thing was he was very uncompromising, especially about his free speech. Do you know what today is? Today's Independence Day. Today is the day I declared my own free speech, and I gave up my entire career to get it. Today's the day, February 22nd. So that's the day I said, I'm just going to say whatever I think is true, and I got to let, let the chips fall. Now, I didn't get canceled today. The cancellation took a few days for it to work through the system. I think the 24th was the cancellation day. I asked Grok because I couldn't remember. But Today's the anniversary. Today is actually in, uh, my Independence Day. This is when I became completely independent. And when I say independent, I mean even Republicans let me go after that. <laughs> I didn't have any friends that day. But eventually, uh, we could see the pattern. Do you remember who canceled me first? Well, the one that mattered was the Washington Post. So let's connect some dots. So I was one of the more effective voices uh, for this thing they didn't like, this populist thing. And I got canceled by the, primarily, the the influential one was the Washington Post, which is uh, rumored to be the, the CIA's primary vehicle for propaganda. Does that look like a coincidence? Do you know how many Republicans canceled me since then? Still zero. Not one. Not even black Republicans, black conservatives. Not one. No, there was, many were offended. That's a different conversation. But no, they said free speech. They actually asked me to tell me more about them. Black Americans, the men, not the women. So much. Well, actually the women too. Yeah, even Sonny Johnson invited me on. So yeah, even, even black women and black men, they generally said, tell us more about that. That's exactly the right thing. That's what I hope for. Yeah, tell us more about that opinion because free speech is our only answer. The only way out is free speech, which we don't have at the moment. So the, the black conservatives saw that immediately. Whoa, let's add some free speech. Maybe we can get somewhere. Subtracting free speech gets you nowhere, except where we are. Adding free speech usually works. It's usually a good play. And the black conservatives automatically went for the smart play because what makes them black conservatives in the first place? They're, they're keyed into what works. What makes a person successful? 
Well, being able to talk about things honestly is right at the top. And so the, the black conservatives tend to look at what works, education, staying out of jail, stay off drugs, start a family, free speech, and there it was. They had a philosophy that was self-correcting. They, they saw an anomaly in me. Whoa, what's he doing? That's not good. And then they said, what's the correction to that? Free speech. And then they tried to apply it, invited me on a number of entities that you know I got to talk. Um, however, we do need a few more founders. I would like to introduce a term to replace populism. Because populism does look like chaos to other people. If, if you like your team and the other team says they're populist, you feel like that's a little chaotic. Hey, what's that going to give me? I don't know exactly where that takes me with this populism. But you know what you do know? You know what the founders of the country were about, don't you? So I think that populism should be retired. And I think we're in a existential, well, we're beyond the existential threat because the republic is genuinely done. But we could use a refounding. We need a refounding. You like the founding. Every single person watching this, you were fans of the original founders, or at least the concepts of them, the fact that they were slaves. Slave owners is a problem. But you like the idea. You like the Constitution. You liked the revolution. You liked the founders, their concepts. You don't have to like them as humans, but you liked their concepts. And those are the concepts which have now been largely destroyed by the blob, you know, the intelligence blob. But just when things were the most dark, when hope was almost gone, you look around and you see that the founders are reborn. And that it couldn't be more obvious. The, the weird part about it is you don't have to stretch. It's no stretch to say Elon Musk is our Ben Franklin, is it? Is that hyperbole? Not even a little bit. Is it a stretch to say Vivek reminds you of Thomas Jefferson? Not even a little bit, no. Is it a mistake to say that Trump reminds you of George Washington taking the impossible fight, impossible odds, and the personal risk, which is just insane, and making it work? You see it. You see it. And let me offer that if you need somebody with a cantankerous, unpleasant, uncompromising personality who isn't going to settle for not having free speech... I volunteer. Now, we're going to need a lot more founder energy. And let's not focus on individuals. It would be a mistake to say that the individuals are the story. It's really the energy. And I believe that the founder's energy has somehow reemerged. And I'm just puzzled by it. I mean, it's one of those things that makes you think you're really living in some kind of a simulation. Because how in the world... How in the world could we need the founders' energy so much and there they are? How is that a coincidence? Yeah, how is that a coincidence? So I would suggest to you 
though while it looks like it's the darkest period in American history, and in some ways you could make that case, I would like to suggest to you that it's always the darkest before the dawn. And ladies and gentlemen, that brings me to the end of my excellent podcast for today. I'm going to say goodbye to YouTube and X and the Rumble platform coming to you today from the Rumble studio. And I will see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Thanks for joining.